You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Give the child a $20 bill. I'm giving it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Hacking Humans podcast, an occasional series we call Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is my CyberWire colleague, Rick Howard. Hello, Rick. Hey, Dave. On this show, Rick and I look at some of our favorite clips from cinema and television, clips which demonstrate some of the scams and schemes that Joe Kerrigan and I talk about on Hacking Humans. We've got some fun clips to share, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message from our show sponsor. And we are back. So, uh, Rick, you had a clip from the film Paper Moon way back in episode two. Remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That was one of our first ones we did. I love that one. Yeah, absolutely. So I have another one from that film. Now, I guess it's not surprising. Uh, it's a <laughs> film about scammers, really. Yeah. It follows a, a pair of scammers. So just for folks who aren't familiar with the movie, uh, this is a film from 1973. It was directed by the great Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, and it starred real-life father and daughter Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, Tatum won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for and her role like, in this film. Yeah, she's like eight or nine or something. Yeah, she's really yeah, young. Yeah, she's right? nine years old. And this was yeah. this made her the youngest competitive winner in the history of the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, what's her name? A good ship lollipop uh, uh, gal. Shirley Temple. Um, Shirley, Shirley Temple. I think she may yeah. have gotten an honorary Oscar at a younger age, perhaps, hmm. but uh, huh. but Tatum was the the youngest to actually win one for doing the work. <laughs> wow! So, yeah. So the film takes place in 1936, and Ryan O'Neill plays an itinerant con man. His name is Moses Prey, and he has agreed to transport young Addie, uh, who's played by Tatum, to her aunt's house after her mother has died. Um, and he picks up Addie at um, Addie's mother's funeral. The movie kind of indicates that perhaps Moses might be Addie's father, yep. but it's really yep. not clear about that or not. He um, doesn't want to take it on. Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to be uh, yeah, yeah weighed down by a, a child. So, um, but on the way to the aunt's house, Moses realizes that Addie has a real gift for cons, uh, and he gets her in on the act. Uh-huh. So in this scene, the two of them are uh, visiting a store. It's a sort of a small town, main street kind of, you know, uh, general store. Um, and while they're in the store, they, they don't give any indication that they're there together. Uh, Moses starts the scene by going to the register uh, to make a purchase. Uh, and I will say uh, before we roll here, they, they talk about a $20 bill. In 1936, Rick, $20. Okay. It's about $400 today. Whoa. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. Right? So So he drops a a $400 bill, okay, on the cash register? (laughs) Nicely done, sir. Okay. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So let's roll the clip. This is uh, from Paper Moon. Here it is. Yes, sir? Uh, I'd like an eye pen, a toothpaste, and a pack of cents. Uh, 20 and 5. 25. Yes, sir. This cashier is just priceless. Her face is mm. perfect for this role. <laughs> yeah, she is. The accent, the whole thing. Yeah. So she puts $20 in the cash register. The $400 bill. Yeah. Right, right. 
and uh, Moses leaves the store. And takes a glancing uh, look back to, uh, at Tatum in the back of the store. Right, right. So she, Tatum is starting to make her way up towards the register, and the cashier's taking care of another couple of customers and showing them the, the way out, taking care of them and completing the sale. And then Tatum steps up to the register. Can I have a bottle of purple toilet water, please? That'll be 25 cents. 25 cents. I love it. Hands her a $5 bill. Puts it in the register. There you go. Gives her a change. She's looking. Here it comes. Lady, you made a mistake. Huh? I give you $4.75. But I give you a $20 bill. Uh-uh. You give me a five. No, ma'am. It was a $20 bill. You give me a five and I give you $4.75. He's not going to take it from this nine year old. Here comes the waterworks. <laughs> not no 20s and with no fives. What's all the turmoil? What's going on here? This little girl Storm. gives me a $5 bill and I give her change. I give her a $20 bill. I know I did. It was a birthday present for my Aunt Helen in Wichita. And she wrote, Happy Birthday Addie on the end of it. You just go look and see. That's it right there. That's my $20 bill I got from my Aunt Helen in Wichita. Give the child her $20 bill. I'm giving it. Give the child her $20 bill, Miss Brownwell. I think it's yes, important sir. to say that there was writing on the bill yes, that said, Happy Birthday, right. Addie. Thanks, right. right. Yes, sir. Little Addie gets a pat on the head from the shop owner. And that is the clip. So what do you make of that, Rick? Well, I, would, I want to explain a couple of things. First, uh, the dad goes in, pays for it with his $400 bill. And that's the one with, right? And that's the one right. with the writing on it. Right. And of course, the clerk doesn't check that. And they she no, just puts it, yeah. Yeah, the writing is on the back of the $20 bill. So yeah. when the father pays for whatever he's paying for with the $20 bill, he just hands her the bill face up. Yep. She doesn't think to look at the back side of the bill. And she just puts it in the, the uh, cash register face up the way you would and doesn't think twice about it. Right. And so when Addie says... I gave you a $20 bill, and my aunt gave it to me, and she wrote happy birthday on it, and there's the bill in the cash register. Of course that's going to work, okay? <laughs> that's, a, right. that's such an easy and classic scam. I, I don't, do you remember the day we did this one, uh, uh, variation of this one in a previous episode in the movie? Uh, called, yeah, it was the 2004 movie Criminal. Uh, in that one, John C. Riley, in a modern setting, Instead of writing on the back of the bill, he tears a corner off the bill as his mark. And what I like about these scenes, and I think we're uh, detecting a pattern here, Dave, Mm. is that the way these con games work is we have to ratchet up the tension between the mark and the con artist, right? Mm -hmm. In the John C. Riley example, he makes a very public scene in a fancy restaurant. And in this scene from Paper Moon, Tatum O'Neill adds a nice little touch to the narrative by having a cute little girl start crying in a local store. Uh, that is well done. <laughs> right, right. Oscar worthy, right? Oscar worthy. There you go. <laughs> Those are some Oscar worthy tears, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you point that out, of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, you're right, it cranks up the pressure because the shop owner comes over because he's there's a disturbance in his store. It's a little girl yeah. crying. And then another customer comes over and the customer weighs in and says, give that girl her $20. Yeah, why you know, are you so, stealing from the little girl? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. And the girl, they don't know that the girl is with someone else. So nope. To them, the girl's here all by herself. 
Clean. Very clean. Yeah. 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 No, it's, a, it's a good scam. Uh, played out uh, pretty well in this movie. So that's a fun scene. All right. That is what I have for us this week. Rick, uh, how about you? What do you got for us? Yeah. So my clip this week is from a 2002 movie called Catch Me If You Can. Have you seen that one, Dave? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was going through the notes on this today. It's directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, and Christopher Walken, just to name three. And and first of all, <laughs> let me just say, I had for, completely forgotten how many gigantic stars are in this movie. Half the budget must have been spent just getting these guys on the set, right? So Yeah, um, that's right. So in this scene, uh, DiCaprio plays a young Frank Abagnale. Uh, how do you say his name? Ab- Abing- Abagnale. Ab- Abagnale, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's an infamous real-life con man, and we see him failing over and over again trying to cash a fraudulent check in four different banks and with four different very, very sad stories. On one of them, he's got a business problem. On the second one, he's trying to get his grandma a birthday present. On the third one, uh, somebody stole his books. He's a student, and he's trying to get them in time for the test. And the last one, he's sick, and none of them are working. Nobody believes him because, you know, he kind of looks like a scam artist, right? So, and they always yeah. give him the stink eye when there's on the camera, where the camera's looking at him. And then he sees what he's missing. Instant respectability in being an airline pilot. And you'll see what I mean when we do this. So roll the clip, Dave. All right. I mean, I hope you understand my boss sent me to Brooklyn, then Queens. This is number one. He wants me in Long Island to take a few clients out for a night on the town. I'm sorry, but we're not allowed to cash checks from other banks. How would we know if they were any good? What did you say your name was? Ashley. Ashley? You know what I found on the sidewalk out there? He's reaching into his case. He's going to give her a chain necklace to kind of con her sweet, sweet talk her. Uh-huh. Turns around. Her boss <laughs> is right in the chair. <laughs> is there something I can help you with, son? Well, you see, it's my grandmother's birthday next week. Bank number two. Something extra special. Please, I mean, it's my midterm next week, and my books were stolen. <coughs> Bank number three. He's sick. Dodd would have to know. I'm sorry, but we are not allowed to take checks from people we don't know. All right, so now he's dejected. He's complete failure at this, and he's walking yeah. down the street. Okay. Stumbling upon a new scene. <laughs> the light literally changes. <laughs> it does, yeah. So it's a picture of a pilot for an airline in a getting out of a taxi with a bunch of stewardesses. And this guy yeah. radiates responsibility, maturity, trustworthiness. Um, everybody that's surrounding them in this little crowd are looking is looking up to him like Oh man, he's a fantastic person. And at this point, okay, um, young DiCaprio realizes that that's the guy he needs to emulate when he's trying to make these fraud purposes. Uh, purchases. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have here. You betcha. Little kid comes up and asks the pilot for an autograph because you know they're very respectable. Here you go, Garden School. Dear Dad, I have decided to become an airline pilot. I have applied As you do. to all the big airlines and <laughs> sure. several promising interviews lined up. How's mom? Have you called her lately? Love your son, Frank. So he makes an appointment with Pan American. Hello. 
one of the airlines of the day. from Monroe High School, and I have an appointment with Mr. Morgan. You're the young man who's writing the article for the school paper. Yes, ma'am, that's me. I want to know everything there is to know about being a pilot. <laughs> so this is recon, Dave. Fly to? <laughs> yeah. What does a pilot make in Ian? Who, who tells them where they're going to fly to? Whoa, 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 just take them one at a time. All right. What does it mean when one pilot says to another pilot, what kind of equipment are you on? I just want to know what kind of aircraft you're flying. Is it a DC-8, 707, Constellation? And, and what about those ID badges that I've uh, seen pilots wear? Well, every pilot has to have two things with them at all times. One is airline personnel badge. looks just like this one here from Pan Am. The other one is their FAA license. And that looks just like this. Oh. Do you think I can make a copy of this to put into my article? Oh, Frank, <laughs> you can have that one. It's three years expired. Oh, thanks. <laughs> And what about your ID badge? Do you have an extra one I could borrow? Oh, no, I can't help you there. It's a special order from Polaroid. The only way to get one of those is to become a real live pilot for Pan American Airways. <laughs> so what do you think, Dave? Well, uh, I mean, look, the, the way that you're dressed absolutely affects uh, how you're perceived. Um, I often joke that, you know, as a, as a middle-aged white man... Uh, if I put on a pair of, uh, you know, tan khakis, uh, khaki pants and a blue button down shirt and carry a clipboard, I can just about walk into anywhere. Right. Yeah, and nobody's so going to stop me because I just, no. you know, just look like I, if I look like I know what I'm doing and I'm supposed to be there, chances are nobody's going to stop me. And I think that's what they're getting at here that get that uniform and those ID badges. And uh, who's going to question, especially back then, who's going to question an airline pilot? Yeah, and what I like about this is the demonstration of DiCaprio or Abagnale. How do you say? It's like I can't pronounce his yeah, name. Abagnale, yeah. Abagnale, yeah. He's learning his craft, right? He's adapting, trying new things. He's iterating over and over, not having much success. And then finally having an insight that he might not have had without doing all of those things. So it's like mm -hmm. I said during the clip. He's reconning when he goes into the Pan Am and, and interviews that pilot, right? He's figuring out all the things he has to do to pull this scam. I, I mean, and what that tells me is, you know, you, and you watch all these movies and TV clips. They make it seem so easy, right? But uh, right. There's, a, there's a bit of craft going on here, and you have to learn all that. Yeah. You know what it, it reminds me of? This is only a little bit related, but uh, <laughs> I, I had a, a friend who was uh, who fancied himself uh, an author, uh, an author of fiction. And uh, so he was decided he was going to write a, a murder mystery. And uh, so he uh, set up a, a meeting with uh, his local sheriff. Uh, and he went and had lunch with the sheriff and he, and he happened to know sheriff and and he said uh and he sat down with him and he said hey i you know i'm writing this i want to write this murder mystery and i want to uh uh know you know what, what would be the perfect crime if somebody wanted to kill their oh, wife yeah. you know what would be the crime and the sheriff was like you're asking me <laughs> coming to me and you're asking me He's like, your wife better not show up dead yeah. ever, <laughs> right? Right? Because he's like, do you know how many people you know go and talk to their sheriffs and under the the guise of saying that they're an author or they're working on an article or whatever, you know, trying to 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 the perfect crime? Uh, so I, I guess the, the law enforcement has your number if you try to do do it that way. But well, uh, this I, reminded I, me of that. 
talking about not being related to any of this, my wife is a total nerd for uh, murder mysteries on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? She's listened to all, and she's reached the end of the internet for all of them. Let me tell you, Dave, right? <laughs> and right. My, so whenever we're watching the TV show or movie and the the murder the murderer does something, she goes, "Oh no, 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 no! You can't do that because of X, Y, and Z." She knows all the tricks. Okay, that, <laughs> uh, that, that's going to get them caught. <laughs> right? Well, isn't there a thing now? Like, there's like uh, mystery writers and and movie writers are are their their it's their job has become much harder because of cell phones and 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 the internet. Like, there's all these movies now where they just pretend like people don't have cell phones because. I, so many things would wouldn't work if you were able to just make a call. That's exactly right. I, I my daughters and I, who uh, we all love horror movies, right? And so mm-hmm. we want we want to write the movie where there's an actually scary movie where cell phones work, right? And they, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I will say though that I have friends of mine, Dave, who try to do these scams when we go to yeah. security conferences, and one of the famous ones to do is go to RSA the RSA security conference and just try to get into places that you're not supposed to get in. You know, there's mm. no malicious intent. It's just, you know, having fun with the the security crowd and whoever's there. Right. Um, no, right. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, that seems to be a thing that goes on at the RSA yeah. security conference. Yeah. I may have mentioned this here, but um, my wife is actually a master at that. Oh, I think you have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Say I've, I've been with her when she has talked our way into Disney world. Which, you know. Now, granted, when she was in college, she worked at Disney World. So, not unlike this clip here, mm-hmm. you know, she knew the lingo. She knows, she knows more than the average person does about how things work there. So, she, it's very easy for her to establish rapport with the people at the gate and and say all the right things. But, uh, you know, I just remember one time, and and it was a situation where we had forgotten our tickets back at the hotel, and uh, you know we could go back and get them, but we would have lost an hour of our time at Disney World, and so you know it's one of those things where I just stand back and I I I let her because I hate watch her work. I well, yeah, I like this is not this is not me at all. You know, I, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, I guess we got to buy new tickets. You know, That's but right. she's like, no, stand back, no, stand back. You know, <laughs> amateur. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just stand back. I get myself out of earshot, you know, because I don't want to give the whole thing away. And then, uh, you know, next thing she walks over to me and she's like, I'm with you too, Dave. My facial expression would give it away, (laughs) right? right? Right, Exactly. Right. She just walks over. She's like, we're in. Just follow me. Don't say anything. And she's like, okay. I'm so so glad she used the TV language, we're in. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Oh, it's fabulous. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, fun clips this week. And uh, we would love to hear from you. If there's something that you would like us to consider for the show, uh, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at thecyberwire.com. We want to thank the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. I'm Rick Howard. Thanks for listening. 